Welcome to Bold Faith with Courage Molina, a place where you get empowered and equipped to be who God has called you to be, do what God has called you to do, and go after everything he said you can have without hesitation or apology. Let's go. All right, let's get into this week's sermon. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is your girl, Pastor Courage Molina of Bold Faith Community Church. I am so excited that you are here with me. Y'all know it's live because I still had my uh, YouTube open. I'm like, where is that coming from? Um, it's coming from my YouTube. All right. Again, this is your girl, Pastor Courage Molina from Bold Faith Community Church. We're an online church for women. This is a place where women are falling in love with being in the word of God. Um, here, we wanna help you to become bold in your faith, confident in your calling so that you can courageously live out the purpose for which God has created you for. As you come in, be sure to drop where you are tuning in from, say good morning. What's up, Miss Dorothy from I think Ms. Dorothy is from Memphis. What's up, Ms. Dorothy? Good morning, Catherine from PA. Mama, Joyce Dempsey from New Smyrna Beach. What's up, Demetrius Scott? Good morning. Glad that you are here. Vina, so glad that you are here. All the way from the beautiful island of St. Lucia. Good morning, Adrian Oliver from Georgia, right? Let us know where y'all are tuning in from so glad that y'all are here now listen if this is your first time joining us be sure to like and subscribe to this channel we are here not just on saturday saturday is our day for church at 8 a.m est every weekend but monday through friday we are also here and we are here monday through friday with mornings in the word, we do Bible reading at that time. And uh, that happens at 7 a.m. EST. If you want to build a habit of studying the word of God, reading the word of God is essential for that. So you can join us Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. EST right here. We're going to try something new today, guys. I want you to take some time to share this video. I want you to go ahead and click the share button right now. I want you to um, take some time to hit that like button as we are getting started. And I think um, I think that there are going to be some people this morning that are going to see it on your screen for the first time. They're going to see it on, on your news feed for the first time. And they're going to be like, you know what? I do need a word from the Lord. Let me go ahead and try this out. So I want you to go ahead and hit the like button if you are watching on YouTube. And I want you to go ahead and share this no matter where you are watching from. Let's take 30 seconds to do that. Let's actually take 30 seconds to do that. I want you to share, share, share. All right, 30 seconds is not a long time. Be sure to like the video also if you haven't already. So share, 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 like, like, like. I think it's time for us to get into it. Now, today we are looking at Acts chapter 17. If you know us, then you know we are a Bible studying church. And what that means is that um, every week we are studying a chapter of the Bible and on Saturday, I'm going to come and deliver a message from that chapter. It is so important that you are studying during the week. And so if you um, don't have the Bible study guide, if you don't have a Bible study journal, you can go and get one of those. You can go to boldfaithchurch.org. It is so important that we are studying the word. It is not enough for you to come here and hear me um, bring a word. That's not going to sustain you during your darkest time. It's not going to sustain you when you are going through financial trouble, when your faith is in trouble. It's just not going to be enough. It is so important that we get in the word so that we can begin to hear the voice of God clearly. And that happens with studying. And um, unfortunately, we've been in church a long time. And so we know how to do church, but we don't always know how to study the Bible study journals. Uh, those guides will help you to do that. 
They will help you to do just that. All right. So let's get into um, Acts chapter 17. Now, let me just give you some background before we get to Acts chapter 17. We start out, you know, um, they start out in Acts waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit comes. And then we can see through the book of Acts, which was written by Luke, all of the things that the Holy Spirit guides them and helps them to do. We see the Holy Spirit giving them the ability to speak in other tongues, to speak in unknown languages, to speak in languages that they have not yet studied. We see that the Holy Spirit um, guides them and shows them where to go and where to spread the gospel. We see that the Holy Spirit tells them um, is breaking down the walls of some of their traditions and their cultures. When we see Peter go into the house of Cornelius, we see the Holy Spirit um, emboldening them to um, to speak a word of God so powerful that people are moved by it. We see all of these things happening with the Holy Spirit. And so the first part of Acts is really we see a lot of the Holy Spirit and we see Peter's ministry. We're in a part now where we're going to be really concentrating on the ministry of Paul. That's the focus. Once you get past about chapter 13, uh, you start to see that uh, the focus of Luke's writing is on Paul and Paul's ministry. So Paul is converted, right? He was very, um, he had a lot of zeal. He's very zealous for um for the law of God, for the law of Moses. He was very learned, highest level of education, all of these things. And he really thought that the disciples were leading people astray. And so as a result, he was just, you know, persecuting the church, following them. He was so like dead set on it that he was, you know, throwing men and women in jail. And, and to throw women in jail, that was not saying that women didn't go, but it just it was outside of the norm that was outside of um, the scope of what would typically happen. And um, he also went to he went to the leaders of um, to the temple leaders and he got paperwork so that he could not only round them up when they began to be persecuted, they started to run out. And Paul was like, uh, uh-uh, they're not going to get away. And so he went and got papers so he could go down to these other cities, these other towns, and he could bring them back so that they could face judgment. He wanted them to be flogged and to be thrown in jail because they were taking these things. This is the Paul that we're going to be looking at in chapter 17, just in case you haven't been with us the entire time. Um, on his way, his name was Saul then, on his way, on the road to Damascus is where he met Jesus. The Bible says it's the voice of Jesus. And Jesus is like, why are you persecuting me? So, and he was like, who are you, Lord? He could hear him, understand him. There was this bright light. The men that were with him didn't understand him. Knocked Paul right off his high horse. Paul could not see. He was blind. Struck him down, struck him blind. And so he tells Paul where he tells Saul at that time where to go. And so Saul goes there and he waits. And there's a man, another disciple that goes to pray for him. And now these scales fall off his eyes. And now he is team Jesus. Team Jesus. If you are team Jesus, type that in the chat. Team Jesus. Now he is team Jesus. So he's now he's going to, he wants to start spreading the gospel. He's met Jesus and he wants people to know this is the way, this is that they should repent and all of these things. People are kind of slow to trust him because they remember that he was the one that was locking folks up. So they're a little nervous. They don't necessarily trust him. Even the disciples are looking at him a little sideways. But Barnabas is like, no, I think this dude is solid. The Lord has really changed him, you know, and he brings him kind of into the fold. And so now Paul is out doing his thing. Um, Paul goes on a mission trip. He goes on several. He, the first one we've already looked through and um, he goes from city to city and it is not, it's, it's not without trouble. He has a lot of success. People come to know Christ as a result, they repent, they become believers and followers, but some people get mad, so mad that they stone Paul almost to death. But you know what Paul does? He gets up after he's surrounded by the disciples. He gets up and he gets right back to the work that God has called him to. Now he leaves that city, right? He leaves that city and he goes somewhere else, but he doesn't allow the stoning. There's a, a message titled that don't allow the stoning to stop you. He does not allow the stoning to stop him because he is so committed to the message that God has given him. He's so committed to the work that he has purposed down in his heart to do. It's worth all the trouble. So he continues. Um, he sets up a lot of church. He's essentially a church planner. He's going from city to city, helping them to get set up. Uh, not necessarily a building, but with the teachings, with the um, 
with the right teachings and the right way and sound doctrine and that kind of thing. And so now him and Barnabas are somewhere together and they're like, hey, maybe we should do a tour and go back through some of the places that we set up and see how they're going. Uh, Barnabas wants to take his cousin Mark. Saul is not feeling it. Paul. Paul is not feeling it. So he decides to take Silas. Him and Silas go their separate ways. And so, excuse me. Him and Barnabas go their separate ways. Barnabas goes on a mission trip with Mark and then Paul takes Silas and they go on a mission trip. They get into a city where they meet Timothy. I know this is a lot of background, but I want to give it to you because this might be your first time watching. And that's why I'm going so fast, too, because I just want to give you this background. And um, so now Paul is with Silas and they're going around. They go to the city Lystra and in Lystra they meet Timothy. Timothy is um, Greek and Jew. His mom is Jewish. His dad was Greek. He's uncircumcised. And so Paul circumcises him because he's going to take him with him. He's going to go on these trips and he's going to be a part of the team, so to speak. He's going to be a part of the team. Um, they get ready to go on this next missions trip and they are traveling down the road and they decide to go one way and the Holy Spirit stops them. And so they continue on and they decide to go another way and the Holy Spirit stops them. And so they set up camp and now it's nighttime and Paul gets a, this is chapter 16. I'm getting to chapter 17, I promise. Um, Paul gets a vision. He has a vision. Um, it comes to him at, at night and he shares the vision. There's this man that is calling him from Macedonia to come over to them. And they sit and they get together, him and his team, because he's got a team. And his team as individuals, they also hear from God. And, and they come together and they look at all the things that have happened. And they conclude that God is sending them to Macedonia. So they go over to Macedonia. Uh, they go to Macedonia. They talk to that man. And then they go to Lystra and um, not Lystra. Then they meet Lydia and Lydia gets baptized and her whole family. And um, that's kind of chapter 16. But they're not done. They are continuing with this missions trip. So we're going to look at three cities that they stop in, um, three cities, three different types of people that they stop in. And then we will um, look at what Paul shows us with um, consistency through these um, different spots that he goes to. But before I get there, let me pray. I gave you all that background. Hopefully you've had a chance to get your Bible to get to chapter 16 in the book of Acts. Um, and then we're going to get into it. Okay. God, we are so excited to be in your word on today. No matter what we face this week, oh God, we know that you have been with us and now it is time for us to hear a word from you. God, I pray that you would remove any distractions from the minds, the homes, the people who are watching this at this time, who are hearing this at this time, be it on YouTube live or replay or podcast or whatever, that they would be able to hear a word from you that speaks to their situation right now, that gives them direct instruction, revelation for this season that they're in, God. We know that you're a God who knows all things and you knew exactly when they would hear this message, oh God. God, I pray that anything that we are dealing with, God, that you would just allow us to put that thing aside so that we can hear from you. And that once we've heard from you, oh God, that you would give us the courage to act out on the instructions that you give us through your word. Um, God, help me to decrease. Let me not be distracted. Let me not pour any of this from myself. But God, let me just be a mouthpiece for you. Let me be a joyful mouthpiece for you, for your people. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's get into it. Chapter 17. All right. So I feel I kind of feel like I want to read this to you. Can I read to y'all today? Let's let's do that. Do y'all mind? It's, it's a little different today. But let's read. I got time. I feel like I got time. I got time. I got time. I got time. Chapter 17. I'm reading from the NIV. I'm just going to read um, verses 1 through 9. Okay. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis, 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 in Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, uh, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them for the scripture, from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. 
But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world. I mean, they didn't cause trouble all over the world have now come here and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others postpone and let them go. So I'm just going to summarize that before I read on. Um, so let me tell you about Thessalonica. So Thessalonica is a place where these folks are rich. These people got money over here. It's not a small town. It's kind of a big city uh, for that time. They're rich. They have power. They have influence. They they enjoy power and influence. It's something that's important to them. And so Paul and Silas go to Thessalonica and they go straight to the Jewish synagogue. And what happens at the synagogue is they do like a prayer. This is just like regular Sabbath experience. They do like a prayer. Then somebody reads from uh, what they call the law of Moses. So it would have been the first five um books of the Bible as we know it. And then someone teaches. It is very common for traveling rabbis, traveling teachers to come and teach when they are in town. And so Paul is going right where he has an opportunity to teach. He knows that there are going to be people there that are there so that they can hear. They want to hear about God and all these things. And so he teaches there for three Sabbaths, connecting these Old Testament truths that they, these Old Testament prophecies. He's he spends this time going from that, connecting them to Jesus and how Jesus was the fulfillment of the prophecies that they know about, that they've heard about all this time. Um, he wants to show them that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah. And some believed and got saved and, and came to know Jesus, but some got jealous and started a riot. They got jealous not because of... Not, they were upset and mad, not because his doctrine wasn't good, not because he was not teaching the truth, not because he was off base with the word. No, the word was right. The word was true and righteous. They were jealous because of the influence. He was there for three Sabbaths and people continued to come back to hear him. They could see his popularity. Um Sometimes when you walk in your purpose, it makes you popular, even if popularity is not the reason you started out for it. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes when you are walking in your purpose, it makes you popular, even though you're not doing it for popularity's sake. And that can make you a target for those who are jealous, for those who are clout chasing. OK, so that's why they're upset. They're not upset because he's teaching the wrong thing because his teaching was off. You have to remember that Paul was one of the highest educated men um, before he became Paul, when he was Saul. You know, he was of that elite group, highly educated. And so they're looking for him. They can't follow him. So they attack this guy at his home, Jason. Um, they drag him out, put him before the council, and they accuse him. They accuse him of like basically trying to start a coup. Right. He is harboring these people who want to overthrow the king is what they're saying, because the Roman officials don't care about what's going on in the Jewish community. They don't care about those problems. They don't care if there is a discrepancy between what one section of the Jews believe and what the other section believe. They don't care if there is a dispute if somebody is saying, oh, this Jewish law or tradition or practice is wrong or not right. They don't care nothing about that. That's not going to get is nobody's getting in trouble for that. Don't nobody care. So they have to tell the officials, right? They have to basically lie to the officials um, and say, no, this is not just about Jewish beliefs. They are saying that there is another king that should be, you know, uh, that should be honored here. And it's not Caesar. Now, baby, now we're talking about treason. Now we're talking about treason. And so now the council is definitely going to respond. They might not have responded, not might. They wouldn't have responded if they had been true about what the real conflict was. But because they made it about Caesar, now the council is responding and they have to put up bond. What it means to put up bond, it wasn't just Jason. It was Jason and some of the other believers. What happens is they put this money up, kind of like, you know, about bond today. But what they're basically saying is that these people are not going to cause any more trouble. And if I'm putting this money up to say this is not going to continue. There's not going to be any more trouble. There isn't going to be any more problems. This this is not going to continue on. There's not going to be any more problems. The risk of that is that if there are problems now that I've put up a bond for it, one, I could lose my money. 
two, I could lose my life because now I'm on the hook. I said, it's not going to happen. There's going to be an end to it. So as a result of that, Paul had to leave, right? Then he gets to Berea. Um, I'm, now I'm in chapter, I'm in chapter 17, verse 10. I'm going to read that too. I'm going to read verses 10 through 15. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. They want to see if Paul, if Paul telling the truth. Verse 12, as a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. So Berea is a small town maybe like 20 miles, 16 miles or something like that from Thessalonica. Since it's kind of a small town, kind of out, um, kind of a ways away from the city, what happened in Thessalonica wouldn't have gotten to Berea. So now they have time to go to Berea before word spreads that they were basically kicked out of Thessalonica because that's more of a city, more of a metropolitan area, mm, biblically speaking, right? And so the same night that they put up that bond, right? This is the night that Paul and Silas went to Berea. They went to the Jewish synagogue again. Why? We know what happened to the Jewish synagogue and we know what Paul has come to do. They went to the Jewish synagogue there, but the Berean Jews were more open-minded and eager to learn the truth. They were cautious, right? They, they leaned in a little bit, but they were different. Luke that's who wrote the book of Acts. Luke is showing us the contrast between the Thessalonica, the Thessalonians, Thessalonians, wow, the Thessalonians and the Berean Jews. So they listen, they wasn't necessarily leaned in. They got to Berea, small town. They are leaned in, they are eager to hear the truth, but they're not just gonna believe anything he's saying. They're cautious. And because of because they actually have this desire to know the truth, they are studying the scriptures to verify that what Paul is saying is the truth. And as a result of their studying, many of them believed. And so then word gets back to Thessalonica that Paul was teaching in Berea. They didn't just want him to stop teaching in Thessalonica. They didn't want him to preach anywhere. They didn't want him to spread. Not just we don't want you to do it in our city. We don't want you doing it at all. So they left from Thessalonica when they heard that Paul was in Berea preaching. They went there to start trouble. But the Berean believers also responded differently to this riot. The Berean believers sent Paul away at once to protect him. And they wanted to protect him so much that they even accompanied him all the way from Berea to Athens. Now, it makes me think that Silas and Timothy might have been quieter. Maybe they were kind of more in the background. Maybe they maybe they weren't as loud as vocal. Maybe they weren't as notable because they didn't leave right away. I don't guess there was an issue for their um, safety. They didn't leave right away. But, um, you know, they so they went with Paul, but Silas and Timothy kind of stayed behind for a little bit. And then when the Bereans got back to Berea, they sent Silas and Timothy to meet Paul in Athens, okay? Now let's get into this last little section here. Um, I'm going to read um, verse 16 all the way through the end. Y'all stay with me. All right. Uh, and again, I'm reading from the NIV. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. So he reasoned, so he reasoned in the synagogue, which means he went to the synagogue again. But I'm, I'm just going to read with both Jews and God fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicureans and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. 
Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. They're excited to hear, but not because they really care about the truth. They just are interested in different, hearing different things. Verse 22, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offering. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now... But now he commands all people everywhere to repent for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed among them was Dionysus and a member, uh, a member of the Areopagus, which was the council, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. So Athens is this very um, intellectual, seemingly smart. They value knowledge and things like that, um, but they value knowledge for entertainment. I say this and people don't like it. I'm like, if you are consuming information with no intent to use it, it's not going to be used in any way, then it's just trivia, right? I'm not saying that the knowledge, maybe you love to read um, articles on, um, on the heart. Maybe you love to read articles on the heart. And when you read articles on the heart, um, you know, you don't plan on being a heart surgeon. You don't plan on sharing that. You're just very interested. Well, that's just entertainment. Somebody might watch reality TV. You're reading a book on hearts, right? Like that's still just entertainment. And that was their thing in Athens. They wanted to hear all these new ideas, but not necessarily because they were looking for a change in their life or anything like that. Um, but because, um, but because they... They just were in it. They just they, it was just interesting to them. Like I was just interested. Some people learn about mythology and, and, and dinosaurs, not because they want to be in, you know, an archaeologist. Is that an archaeologist? Not because they want to be an archaeologist. They, people learn about ancient civilizations, not because they want to be an anthropologist, but because um, because it's just entertaining. You know? Do you see what I'm saying? And that's how they were in Athens. They also had lots of gods. I'm looking at my notes. They also had lots and lots of gods. All kinds. And lots of idols. All types of altars. Right? And so... So let's just look at the summary real quick. So Paul waited for Silas and Timothy to meet him. But while he waited, he saw these idols and his spirit was troubled. He was so upset. He was troubled and a little bit mad. He was troubled that these people were so far from God. And he was also angry that they were putting other things above God. Um, so much so that he they were willing to worship this unknown God. He went to the synagogue. He didn't wait for them. Maybe he was going to wait for them. He went to the synagogue and he began to teach. And he also taught in the square. The reason he could teach in the square there is because, like I said about Athens, they were people who were interested in hearing all these different ideas. People could come from all over and share ideas that maybe they believed or didn't believe, but they wanted to hear about it. 
Um, and so he debated with the Epicurean and the Stoic philosophers, and they took him to the high council. So what are the Epicurean? I got my notes right here. What are the Epicurean um, beliefs, right? Because it's, you know, the Greeks are really known a lot of, for their philosophy. There are a lot of Greek philosophers, uh, great thinkers, uh, Renaissance men, so to speak, or at least that's how they're described. Um, the Epicurean were those who followed Epicurus, who was a philosopher, um, and he taught that humans have no external, no eternal existence and live in a soulless mechanical universe. I'm going to say that again. The Epicureans taught that humans have no eternal existence and live in a soulless mechanical universe. They said if the gods exist at all, they have no interest or involvement with us. And when a person finally recognizes that fact, they are set free from all the superstition and religious activities that weigh people down. Basically, um, the, the Lord is not, there's nobody that's watching out for you. It doesn't have a soul. It's just mechanical. It's just like, this is just some type of system. That's just how it works. And the minute that you realize that this is just how it works, this is what they believe. The minute you realize that this is how it works, then you have an opportunity to be happy because then if you want to be happy, the goal is to um, avoid pain. And in order to avoid pain, you must enter into the inner world of intellect, which would make sense that it would be so accepted because as I said, they really valued intellect and knowledge and like hearing new things. The Stoics, on the other hand, taught people to passively submit to the laws of nature that whether you got pain, joy, or grief, you should just like kind of give in to those circumstances because they're a part of a divine plan. Now he's saying divine plan, but he does not mean divine by God. It's very impersonal force that controls like people who are like, oh, well, I believe the universe. Well, the universe is not, does not have a conscience. Do you understand what I'm saying? The universe does not have a conscience. The universe ain't thinking about you, doesn't know you. And that's kind of what he's saying here. That's kind of what the Stoics believed. That, um, you know, whatever you go through was just kind of divine, but it was this impersonal divineness, not talking about God. And so that true happiness is found in knowing that we are under the control of the universe, right? Of this higher power, but not a personal God. Um... They're just very different, right? And so now you have these two belief system and Paul is there debating back and forth with them. And so they are so intrigued with him uh, that they take him to the council. Now the council is a few people, like maybe six men or something like that. Um, and they're there and they hear things. They're there to listen to different belief systems and philosophies and they kind of just weigh in, but they're interested. And so they thought, oh, these people will be interested in that. So they take Paul to them. And um, so they take him to them. And so they're interested to hear him. They're like, what is this you're talking about? What you babbling about? Tell us more about it. And so Paul addresses them saying, you know, I know y'all real religious. I, I could tell when I got here that y'all really, um, y'all super religious. He's saying this kind of tongue in cheek. He's not really saying this like, oh, I know y'all are so devout. He's saying it like, I see y'all. Y'all so religious. Y'all even got an altar to a God y'all don't know nothing about. But he's starting here with the common ground, recognizing that they have so many altars, uh, so many idols, and starting with the fact that they have this unknown God. And that's a common ground. He's like, let me tell you about this unknown God. Now, the unknown God that they are referring to is not the God, the creator of all, right? It's not the creator of all. They're just saying there we there's some God that we might not know about that we might not have heard about, that we don't know. So we're going to say this is an altar to him, but they don't actually know him, right? They're not talking about the God of Israel. Paul, however, uses their um, lack of knowledge about this God as a point of um, common ground so that he can use that as like a springboard to say, you want me to tell you about the God that you don't know about? Let me tell you about this God. And then he tells them about the one true God. And they're interested until he gets to the part where he's like the resurrection. Then they basically dismiss it. When they say, oh, we'd love to hear about this again. That means we're done listening right now. Right. Um, and there are a few listeners, however, including one of the council members that do follow him. Right. And as it is our custom, once we get through the reading and the summary, 
we want to to observe, right? We use the bowl method here. So let's talk about some of these observations. Here's some of the things that I observed in, in no particular order, maybe. Um, when we looked at Thessalonica, when they first, when he first started in Thessalonica, he went from Philippi to Amphipolis and from Amphipolis to Apollonia and from Apollonia to Thessalonica. He traveled 95 miles to get to Thessalonica. We see he did some traveling, um, 95 miles. Either That's a long, I don't even walk three miles. He walked 95 miles um, or maybe they traveled by donkey, but they didn't have like a horse or a camel. They didn't drive there. They didn't take a plane there. They walked. That's just something I noticed. I just noticed that it took them some time to get there. 33 miles is a little bit more than a day's walk. 27 miles is about a day's walk. So they walked, they slept, they walked, they slept, they got to Thessalonica. Paul had a routine of going to teach in the towns that he went to. That was his routine. That is what he did. He's got a message. He's very direct. He's not just waiting, right? Um, and then when he got there, when he got to Thessalonica, he used what they knew to reason with them. They knew scripture. This is a Jewish synagogue. This is a place where they pray. The um, Old Testament, the uh, Pentateuch, the Torah, first five um, chapters of the Bible, first five books, not chapters, first five books of the Bible are read to them. So he starts with common ground. He starts with scripture. I noticed that his success, meeting his influence and impact made some jealous. It wasn't that he did it wrong. It wasn't that it wasn't true. It was that they didn't like that he had so much impact. And so people who are looking for clout didn't like that. I also saw that unchecked jealousy caused sin because they were jealous and they didn't check it. It's not that jealousy is not a human experience. It's not that jealousy isn't a human emotion, but unchecked, it leads to sin. We saw that because they went, they got a riot, then they lied. They wanted to get rid of them and they used whatever they could. They they had about any means necessary. They were okay with lying. They were okay with attacking. They were okay with using violence. And they attacked those who helped him. Then when we get to Berea, we see that they were interested in the truth. I wonder if anybody is interested in the truth. They were open-minded. They were eager to learn. And they leaned in. They were cautious enough that they studied for themselves, though. And as a result of their own individual study, while it might have been guided by Paul and what Paul was teaching, they every single day had some individual study time and that thing led to their believing. We also see that trouble followed Paul and his boys. Even when I'm doing the right thing, sometimes trouble will follow me. Sometimes opposition will find me. That's something that we can see here. We can also see that People protected Paul. So there is, you, we are not without protection. Some of you are afraid to do the thing that God has called you to do because you're worried about how people are going to respond. You're worried about what people are going to do and how it's going to look for you. You are not without protection. Whether God brings in people to protect you or policies to protect you or the Holy Spirit to protect you, you are not without protection. Then when they get to Athens, we see that they are worse off than those who had no beliefs. The, the Athenians were worse off than the people who just didn't know. They were worse off. We could see that. Why? Because they had so many other beliefs, so many idols. It's not just that they followed multiple idols as a lifestyle. Those idols had a demonic power behind them, had a demonic pull behind them. They were worse off than people who just didn't have any clue at all. They were not interested in learning. They just, they just liked hearing new ideas. So while they seemed while they seemed leaned in and eager to hear, it was really for entertainment. It was really because they just had a curious mind, not because they were seeking truth. We can see that of these three, there were two groups that can be categorized or that can be characterized or described as actually seeking truth. One group, that's Berea. The other two, they weren't necessarily leaned in and eager. I noticed that. Not everybody I go to is going to respond the same way. Paul also started with common ground when he was in, in um, Athens. He quoted their poets. So no matter where Paul went, he started with common ground. 
When it came down to the resurrection, the very thing that our belief system hangs on, the very thread of Christianity is not just that Jesus lived, but that he died and that he got up. That is where they drew the line. It was too much for them. They dismissed him. Even though he was dismissed, some followed. And, and when he started talking, he's teaching them. You know, we looked at what he taught them, what he said to them. One of the things that we can observe there is that God waits and overlook the sin, um, not out of indifference, but out of love and grace, desire for them to kind of get their life together. Um, and so now after we've done the observations, it's time for what lessons can you learn? If you haven't taken any notes up to this point, um, these are some truths. I'm just gonna run them down. My time is running out. Y'all remember these days when I couldn't get through my stuff? I'm gonna run these down. Um, Make sure y'all get these notes or watch the replay. Then you can pause. What are the lessons that we learned about God, about people, or what can this scripture teach us about ourselves? Because God's not calling us to study the word and be in the word just so we can hear it. He wants us to apply it to our lives. Um, one of the first lessons, the overarching, really the largest lesson, it's where I got the title of the sermon from today. The title of this lesson is Commitment and Consistency, because that's what we see with Paul, not just in this chapter, but throughout Acts. Let me just take a little time out here. When you study, and this is why we, Bold Faith Community Church, we do it this way. When you study just one verse, you have to study that verse in the context of the other verses. And then those verses in the context of the chapter and then that chapter in the context of the book and understanding that book in the context of the Bible as a whole. You cannot just pick and pull things out and ignore even something that might have been written or taught in a different book because the Bible does not contradict itself. There may be some statements that appear contradictory, but with a closer look at the context and being able to rightly divide the word, things become much clearer. And we see that the word of God is infallible. There is no error in it, right? And so even though we're studying chapter 17, we have been studying the entire book of Acts. And so we've seen outside of chapter 17, if you're just now joining us, we've seen outside of chapter 17 and in chapter 17, that commitment leads to consistency. It's the commitment. That's lesson number one. Commitment leads to consistency. Some of you are struggling to show up consistently for your community on social media. You got a YouTube channel. And I say this because, one, we've all been given a message. We all have a purpose to know God and to make him known. In addition to that, so even if you don't have a brand, I know a lot of you are Christian entrepreneurs. What's up to my entrepreneurs? What's up? Um, and you know that you have a message for something else. But foundationally, as a believer, we all have one universal message. We all have one universal purpose, and that is to know God and to make him known. We all have the message of the gospel that we are challenged to share. Right. Some of us not doing that. And then for those of you who have been called to the marketplace, You've been called to start a business and start a ministry or coach people or start a podcast, write a book, lead a community, advocate for people, whatever. You have a message. There's a message that is integral to your purpose and you are not showing up consistently, not because you don't have a scheduler, not because you don't know what to post, not because you're it's because you're not committed, because when we get committed, that leads to consistency. I wonder where in your life you need to get committed so that you can consistently show up and deliver the message because somebody has been called to be transformed by the message that God has given you a message of hope, a message of, you know, faith, a message of resilience, resourcefulness, a message of wealth building, a message of being a good steward of our time or our money, a message of health and wellness. You have a message that God wants to get out. You have not committed. That's why you struggle with consistency. Um, another lesson I learned is that connection starts with common ground. It's going to be difficult for me to share my message of the gospel. Or the message of, you know, making a lifestyle of studying the word of God, that confidence, 
boldness and courage comes as a result of studying the word of God and applying it to our life. That's, that's a difficult message to put out if there is no, if I cannot connect to people and there is no common ground. You need to be able to identify the common ground between you and your audience. You got to know your audience. Paul had an audience. And I'm going to use the word audience because who he spoke to in Thessalonica was a different audience than Berea, which was a different audience in Athens. And he started with all of them. He connected with each group starting with the common ground, it means that he had to know something about them to know what ground that they had in common. Do you know what I'm saying? What are the other lessons? Um, the greatest impact that you have when you share will be with those who are open to the truth. This is not about convincing. He wasn't trying to convince them. He shared and there were people who were open to the truth and they believed him. He shared with people who were closed off. But guess what? Those people might not have believed him. They might not have come over to his side and to the lifestyle and the way of God. But there were people who were in the audience who did hear and who did get the transformation, the life changing, saving transformation of the salvation message. You also got to know that the enemy wants to stop you at every turn. The enemy is going to follow you. He's not just going to be like, oh, well, she's she not doing it on YouTube no more. So I'm going to leave her alone because I got off YouTube. So I'm just let her have it on Instagram. No, you have to understand that the enemy wants to stop you everywhere. We can see that in this. Right. We can see that in this. The enemy wants to stop you at every turn. I don't say that for you to be afraid. I say that for you to be equipped. Nothing knocks you out like a sucker punch like a hit that you didn't see coming. But when you understand that every time I say yes and I go to this place and I've committed in my heart and I'm showing up consistently, I'm, I should expect that the enemy is going to try his tricks because he is persistent. If nothing else, he's persistent. He cannot take anything that I don't give up. And it's, it's easy for him to knock me down and, and you know, I lose my balance or whatever when I'm not expecting him. You got to know your enemy. Yes, you got to know your Lord, but you also have to know your enemy. You also have to understand that you're not going to win them all. You're going to win some. Everybody's not going to follow you. Everybody's not going to listen to you. Everybody's not going to be helped by you. It doesn't mean that you stop sharing the message. The Holy Spirit has been saying to me um, this last season, grow up, grow up. I think it's I think it's an immature mindset to think that every single time I open my mouth and teach something or tell something or make an offer or whatever, that everybody's just going to respond positively. No, you're not going to win them all. You're going to lose some. You're not going to win all of them. You're going to win some of them, but not all of them. Another great lesson is that God sees our sin, but holds off judgment so we can get right because that is his desire for us. His desire is that we would get right. His desire is that we would turn from our sin. It's not that he don't see it. It's not that he has changed his mind about what is sin. I know sometimes we see people who are like, they just out here living their best life and they sinning and the Lord's just letting it pass. Well, the Lord's letting it pass because he wants them to come to know Christ. He wants to give them time to repent. And because he's not bound by time, he doesn't see time the way we see it. We think like, well, they've been doing it for 10 years. How much time is he going to give them? This has been going on for 20 years. How much time is he going to give them? They've been like that their whole life. How much time is he going to give them? Um, another lesson, I thought this was, I thought this was really good. Some say true things about the wrong God. Some say true things about the wrong God. Some of the things that people say, so true, right? Some of the things that people say are true. Um, when they talk about the law of attraction, that when they talk about karma, what goes around comes around, those things are the truth that's not the right God, though. So this idea of karma, it, it, that's, you reap what you sow. What I have sown, I will therefore reap. It's true that what I put out there is going to come back to me, but it's not the universe. And it's not karma. It is the kingdom system. 
So some people are saying things that are true, but they're saying it about, they're saying it about the wrong God. And I'm saying God with little G-O-D, and I don't mean to imply that they actually have power. People will say, you know, you have to ask the, the universe, you know, speak to the universe and it will speak to you or it will guide you or allow this higher power to guide you. People be talking about they saw spiritual and all these things. Okay, cool. Some of the stuff they're saying is true, but they saying about the wrong God. And that is why it lacks power. And that is why it is dangerous. So I know there are some similarities and it can sometimes make us feel uncomfortable to be the one standing on the truth of God. But let the word of God be true and every man a liar. Right. As for me and my house, sometimes we don't want we don't want to come across as closed minded, but we have to keep our minds open to the things of God and anything that's not the thing of God, anything that's not kingdom wisdom. We have to reject as believers. People will say, well, it's all the same. You know, we both believe in God. I believe in a higher power. I just call mine the universe and you call yours God. A God by any other name is not the Lord. There's only one name. People will say, oh, there are all these similarities. They're right. There are a lot of similarities. You're right. This thing is the truth. It does work that way, but it's the wrong God. And that's the problem. So now that we've gotten this revelation, we have these lessons at this church. We don't stop at, um, you know, looking at the scriptures and studying them and getting these lessons from the observations. We don't stop there here at Bold Faith Community Church. We move past the lessons to to action. So we have to ask ourselves, what does God want us to do? What does God want me, me specifically to do with this? When God is saying to me, commitment leads to consistency, what area of my life have I not committed to? And so I lack consistency. When the Lord is saying connection starts with the common ground, where have I not been paying attention or trying to get common ground? And my, I've realized that my message is not being received, right? Now I'm now the Holy Spirit as we read and we study, will help us to discern where God wants us to take action because he is not speaking to you. Any of you got an aha during this? Any of you heard something today and it was confirmation? Any of you heard something today and it was insightful? It was aha. Drop me a heart emoji in the um, comment, please. Drop a heart emoji. If you heard anything today and you were like, dang, that's good. Hearted. If you heard anything today and you were like, ooh, confirmation, hearted. If you heard anything today and it made you made you say, hmm, things that make me go, hmm, it led you to a wondering, I want you to drop a heart in the chat. Let me know. You heard something that that sparked something in you, that confirmed something in you, that um, that made you curious. You heard something today. I want you to do me a favor and drop a heart um, emoji in the chat. Drop a heart in the chat. Because wherever you're watching, <laughs> drop a heart. Because that means that the Lord is speaking directly to you. He's got a message. This is not just like, oh, that was a good teaching. This ain't just a good teaching. It is a message directly to you. And so if you felt something, heard something, confirmed something, what does God want you to do? What area of your life was brought up? I spoke about these lessons. And for some of you, you immediately started to think about something God has been telling you in your finances. I said something about these lessons. And some of you started to think about things that are going on in your marriage. I said something about these lessons. And immediately it brought up a relationship that you have with your kids or with your parents. I said these lessons and immediately made you feel a type of way about your inconsistency consistency when it comes to your business or the ministry that God has called you to, right? It brought something up. I don't know, but I don't know your business, right? I don't know your business. I don't know what the Lord been telling you to do, but, but there's something popped up. This is where people say, oh, there's a lot of interpretations, but they're different for everybody. That's not true. We, the interpretation is the same because it's communication, but how I am to apply it, the perspective, right? So if you dropped a heart, that means that there was a revelation that you got and God wants you to respond with action. He wants you to obey him, not just to hear him, not just to clap, not just to drop an emoji. He wants you to respond 
with action. So how will you respond? For some of you, you don't know Christ and you heard this message and, and, and the first, and, and for, for the first time in a long time, for the first time in a long time, you realized that the first step that you need to take is in coming to know Christ. I've been listening. I've kind of been um, going with some of these really great sayings, like what goes around comes around. And I've been living my life by this great moral code. Um, I've been living my life by my own values. I have family values and, 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 um, and, you know, values as a human being. I have morals and all these things. I'm a good person. But you heard this message today and you realize that none of those things matter if you don't know Christ. That those values don't matter if you're not in right relationship with Christ and you are ready to come to know him today. I want you to say this prayer with me. Oh, God, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I believe you sent your son, Jesus, to die for me and that you raised him from the dead that I might have eternal life. Today, Lord, I invite Jesus into my heart to be the Lord and Savior of my life. In your son Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, listen, it's... The Lord is saying my yoke is easy. My burden's light. Sometimes we want to complicate what it takes for a person to come to know Christ. But the word of God says, whosoever shall believe and call on the name of Jesus shall not perish, but shall be saved. It will have eternal life. So that means if you said it and you believe it, that settles it. Welcome to the family of God. Let me be one of the first to welcome you to the family of God. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We would love to connect with you. Send us an email, praise at boldfaithchurch.org. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we want to know that you've just accepted Christ. We want to connect you with some people, want to get some resources in your hand. This is an individual relationship, but it is not something that we are called to do alone. And so we're called to do it in community, not in isolation. Bold Faith Community Church is the dopest community out there. Like, I ain't even going to hold you. <laughs> I ain't even going to hold you. The women involved, the women that call Bold Faith Community Church home. I mean, the Lord was just showing out with this community. I ain't going to hold you. You know what I'm saying? I'm not even going to hold you. It is the truth. It just is. We ain't bragging. I'm just telling you how it is. It's just the truth. Okay. So you definitely want to get connected. If you are looking for a church home, if you are, if you are looking for a community of women that you can grow with, that you can do life with, that you can connect with, then send us an email, praise at boldfaithchurch.org and ask about how you can get connected. You can also go to the website to give your tithes and offering at boldfaithchurch.org. We call today Soul Seed Saturday. This is good ground to sow your seed. If you call Bold Faith Community Church home, then you can go to boldfaithchurch.org and give your tithes. You can set up reoccurring giving. If this is not your home, but this is your hangout and you want to partner with us and what we're doing, you can also set up reoccurring giving to help us do this work and continue to share this message with women all across our, the globe, as is our assignment. Now, listen, you know that we are not done. We are getting ready to get into this Zoom room. We're going to have a conversation about where God is taking us. What, okay, what we about to do? Now, you done heard a good word, and that's good, but now it's time for us to go to work, to put in work, to do this thing. It's in the responding to God's um, the prompting of the Lord and the revelations that truly transform our life, and so I'd love to see you there. Um, oh, let me put this thing up so you know where to go. You can go to boldfaithchurch.org to get on the list, to get the link. Uh, the link is also available on Facebook. If you're in the Facebook group, you can find it there. If someone invited you and you're like, I don't know where the link is, text them, email them, 
They got you. Okay. All right. And we'll start at nine o'clock, which is in one minute. All right. Love y'all. See y'all on the inside. Later. If this episode has blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else so that you too can be a blessing. If you'd like to connect with us and help us to do the work that God has called us to do, you can give at boldfaithchurch.org. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram at boldfaithchurch and connect with me at Courage Molina. Thanks so much. Be sure to catch the next episode right here.